Welcome back to Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and I'm so grateful and honored you've chosen to tune in today. This show is a safe place you can come to hear relevant, engaging, and authentic topics to help you get real, live free, and pursue your God-given dreams. Have you ever had a conversation with someone that you didn't want to end because they were just full of so much wisdom? Well, that's exactly how I felt about today's guest, Kate Battistelli. Kate is living proof that God can and will use anyone if they're willing. Kate experienced infertility, miscarriage, an abortion at age 18, and four failed adoption attempts, which all wreaked havoc on her life. Kate had a life-changing experience as a young actress in New York City, going from understudy to starring as Anna in the Broadway national tour of The King and I opposite Yul Brynner for more than 1,000 performances. Kate and her husband laid down their careers in the Broadway theater in answer to their first God Dare, and they moved out of New York City and into a life of homeschooling and a home business. As their daughter Francesca grew and began expressing her gifts in music and songwriting, they realized there was a far bigger purpose in leaving their careers than they could have imagined. Kate's the mother of Dove and Grammy award-winning Christian recording artist Francesca Bettistelli. She's also one of the show hosts of the popular Mom to Mom podcast. Kate is a natural encourager and she believes in your ability to change the world. So let's dive into that conversation that I had with her. Well, hello, Kate. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Rachel. I am thrilled to be here with you today. I am excited to have you here. We have all kinds of fun things to talk about. Um, before we jump into that, one thing I like to ask my podcast guests is, what's something about you that we might not have read on your professional bio? Oh, gosh. Well, I'm, I'm a complete word nerd. So if there's a mistake in anything, I will see it. And it could be the scroll on the TV. It can be a sign. It's I just, I don't know why I should probably be an editor because I always see the mistakes. Like a new book comes out. I'm like, on page three, you misspelled that. You all need to know that. (laughs) I'm kind of a word nerd. Okay. Good to know. So I will be (laughs) submitting my work to you to edit before I pass it along now. I love that. I love it. Just, I have one word for people, one compound word, proofread. Just Please proofread. Okay. You know what has been a lifesaver to me? I cheat a little bit. It's called Grammarly. Have you heard of that? Yes, definitely. <laughs> Which, mm-hmm. honestly, they don't always catch everything, but it helps True. It helps people like me. So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So I do have a lot to talk with you about today, and I want to make sure we get through it all. So I'm going to just jump right in with you and ask you to tell us a little bit about the latest book that you wrote called The God Dare. Yes, you know, that that book was a long time coming. Sometimes we think we're going to get an idea and get it published and it's out in a year and that did not happen with this book, though I thought that was going to happen. It it actually, I pretty much wrote the, the majority of it in 2012, thinking it'll be out in 2013, but God was, you know, he has a purpose and a plan. He said, no, until you're willing to tell the real truth about your life and tell the ugly parts and the hard parts this book ain't coming out. So, I mean, didn't say it exactly in those words, but I knew there were just some things I needed to deal with in my own life and be brave enough to, to say to the world, you know, to tell them about some of the things in my story that aren't pretty, that aren't cool. Cause I've had some neat things happen in my life. I mean, I, I, I have had some amazing opportunities and just with our daughter who's done really well in Christian music, stuff like that, that people would look at me and think, she's got it all together. Everything's great. But they don't know about the abortion that I had when I was 18, that I was not willing to talk about till God dared me 
the year before my book came out to say, you're putting that chapter in the book. And I fought with him, but you know, he was right. Cause probably more than any chapter, that's the one that people relate to women, especially that have gone through that or, or, or who have uh, fertility issues or miscarriages or all that stuff that I've dealt with. And once I was willing to really come clean with the world, with my own story, then that was the time that God said, okay, now this book can come out. Oh, that's so powerful. What do you think held you back from coming clean with your story? Just fear, shame. Listen, this happened. I did. This is 46 years ago when I was 18. So you can add, the, add up the numbers and know how old I am. And I'm pretty old for this world. But hey, you know, God doesn't care about that. And I think, well, that's a whole other subject. But this was 1972. This is before Roe v. Wade was even a law that I got pregnant. You know, so it was such a long time ago that women of that era for us, it was a shameful journey. It wasn't something that we're proud about and that we go on TV and talk about. It was like, I'm never telling a soul that I did this because there was huge shame, huge guilt. My family never knew. Maybe maybe four or five people in my life ever knew. I mean, I told my husband, of course. I didn't tell my daughter till a year and a half ago because I was so ashamed and so worried that how she would respond. But of course, you know, she loves me. She was very gracious. But stuff like that, it's just guilt and shame will hold us back. And and when we allow that to hold us back, we stop ourselves from going to where God wants to take us because I knew what God was calling me to. I'm pretty sure I have a pretty good grasp of where I'm supposed to go with all this, but I wasn't able to because I wasn't willing to talk about the hard stuff. But now that I am, and one of the neatest things when you, when you just release this stuff and talk about it, and if you know God has forgiven you, there's no need for guilt and shame. He's taken that. He nailed that to the cross. But it just took me a while to grasp that and, and believe that it was for me. I can see it for other people, but to see it for myself was difficult. So it just took me time. But once I was willing, then the, every door just opened. Everything happened. And it was like, okay, God, I should just you know, trust you more often and more deeply. And things would happen a little more easily for me. But, you know, that's just... Me, I'm just a little bit of a slow learner, I guess. Oh, uh, we all are for sure. I know, you know, for me personally, anytime when I release something like that that's been in the darkness, which to be honest, that's the heart behind the show, Real Talk with Rachel. I know that's kind of a play on, you know, uh, words there, but it's also just really my heart is that more more women would be aware of the fact that when we'll just talk about things, <laughs> how much yeah. freedom it brings. It doesn't have to be on a national platform that you share. You know, some people it will be national and some people it's talk about it to your best friend that you've right. never, you know, just like, or your go to see a counselor, like just talk about it, bring it out. It, Cause then it, it removes it from the darkness where the enemy had the territory and into the exactly. light where now God has territory. And now not only do our chains get broken, but then we release so many other people like you said, you sharing this story, I can only imagine the number of women who have reached out and said, oh my goodness, you have no idea how, how that yeah. freed them. Right? Would you, would you say so? Oh, absolutely. Especially older women that, you know, from my generation, from that were, you know, a teenager back in the seventies and even in the eighties, it just wasn't a thing that, that it was that you were proud to do and felt empowered to do. I mean, anyone that I've talked to that's older, it, it was just a horrible thing, just something they tried to bury and put away. But, but you're so right. When you allow these things out, you can then walk in freedom and walk into all God has for you. Because I think so many people don't take their God there. And we can talk about what that is, but because they feel like I'm not worthy, I, I messed up too much. I've done things, Lord, that you can't forgive, which is just a lie from the pit of hell. You know, we, God, 
God forgave everything, anything you could have done. He has forgiven as long as you've asked him to forgive you. If you've repented, he's forgiven you. And even though I have repented years ago, I just couldn't fully receive it until a year and a half ago when I said, all right, I'm done. I, I saw other people being brave in, on this particular issue. And I thought if they can tell that story, darn it, I can too. And if it just sets one woman free, it's worth it. Even if I, and if somebody, their opinion of me declines because of this story, well, too bad. You know, I, I had to, I just had to get to that point. It took me a while, but you know, it's out there now and it's part of my story. And it's something that I'm glad that I can help bring release to other women. And I hope God gives me more opportunity to speak into that issue particularly. Yeah. Have you seen more of yourself, like your original design emerge since you let that part of yourself go? that shame or no? You know, I, I don't know that I've ever known what my original design is. That's a great question. I'm going to have to think about that. I think I know what God's calling me to do, but, and I, and I do think since I've released that and let that go and just decided to talk about it, that I feel just less fear for, mm. for all life, you know, just more boldness to be like, well, I've, I've told about that. There's not much else, much worse that I've done, you know, that I can't talk about. So it's, it has, it has made it a little bit easier. Yeah. Well, and in response to the original design thing, I don't think any of us know our original design. I think it's a constant, <laughs> I think it's a constant unraveling, but I think ah. it's when you, just like you said, you know, you pull back so it, um, my professor in grad school, she, she talks about it, like pulling back layers of an onion. There's always more to be pulled back, but you're continuing yeah. to get to the core. And so every time you take off one more layer of shame or one more layer of guilt or whatever, you're mm -hmm. getting closer and closer to what, you know, the way you were in originally designed to, to function and to be and to live fearless and all of those things. So, yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So tell us about the God dare then. Well, the God dare, you know, if you, have you ever had that thing where you just, this, this idea drops in your spirit, that's amazing and awesome, but you go, God, this is way outside my comfort zone. You've picked the wrong girl, you know, and it's that kind of thing. It's, it's that, that thing that just God says, here, I want you to do this. You're not equipped, but if you follow me, I'll equip you as you go along. For me, it was writing my first book because I wasn't a writer. Mm -hmm. I had no college degree. I went to four colleges in two years. I will tell you that. And I did get on the Dean's list, but I didn't graduate from any of them. So it's just like, you know, and I thought, well, you have to have a college degree to write a book. It's just, that was what was in my head. I always loved writing. I always journaled, always did all that blogged and all that. But I thought, no, book that's crazy, Lord, you're crazy. But he just kept telling me, you're supposed to write a book. You're supposed to write a book about our journey, raising our daughter and what, what we did, just the, the intentional steps we took to raise her to be a woman who would find her purpose, who would follow the Lord, not to be a Christian, you know, musician. It wasn't about that. It was about what can we do to help her find her purpose? Because I believe that's a big part of a parent's job is to dig deep with God, figure out what, what do I do to raise this child to change the world? Because we, we, especially only having one child, we thought well, we've got one shot at this. We want her to know what her purpose is on this earth. So God kept just hitting me with this and I needed to do it. And I thought, all right, well, I guess I'll give it a shot. And I found someone who was a writing coach and I talked to her and showed her my idea. And she, and I said, tell me this is not a book. She said, no, it is a book. 
I'm going to help you. You're going to write it. We're going to get it published. And we did. And, and I felt like after that, I thought, God, you were daring me, weren't you? You were just triple dog daring me to mm-hmm. step out way out of my comfort zone and bungee jump. I mean, to me, it feels like what a bungee jump probably feels like, though I'm too chicken to actually really do it. But I imagine that it's, it's kind of that thing. It's like so far outside your comfort zone. But I realized he was daring me. And I thought, all right, I'm going to look through scripture because I bet I'm not the only one. And I I find it all through scripture. You could call it, it's, I guess it's basically God's call on someone's life, but I look at it as a dare because oftentimes it feels that way because he's just, he's, he's giving you the opportunity to choose to be chosen to change the world. We have to say yes, and we can say no to God. And I'm sure there's many things he's dropped in my spirit that I just said, no, you're no, there's no way I'm not doing that. And then he'll find someone else. I know this is an interesting story. Reinhard Bonnke, who is like the Billy Graham of Africa, Millions of people came to the Lord through him. The Lord told him early on, he said, I've spoken to two other people that I've asked to do this. And they said, no, you're my third choice. Imagine, I mean, which gives great humility, which is actually a good thing to know that if you know that, hey, I am not the first person God picked for this. And when I, when I heard that, I thought, okay, that, that validates what I'm trying to say in the God year that we have to choose to say yes to change the world. And it's very easy in America, particularly, we live in a comfortable country. Most of us do. Many of us have comfortable lives. We're making enough money to pay our bills. You know, life is going around, going along great until God comes in with something like, I want you to move to a complete other country and start a church or, you know, whatever it might be. It's not always that dramatic, but it often is. It is in the Bible. He told Abraham, leave everything behind and go to a to a place that I'll show you. I'm not going to tell you, but I'll show you. It's like, oh, 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 okay, God, we'll do that. But Abraham said yes. And because of that, God accounted it to him for righteousness and it absolutely changed the world. So I just see it all through scripture. The book has 14 different biblical heroes that I attach part of my story to, not that I would ever have been in the Bible, but just similarities between me and these different stories that I could you know, figure out, then it's got lots of great questions at the end for a Bible study and scriptures and my, what I call God, their secrets that I've learned over the years, just little tips and things that God has dropped in me that I thought, well, this is cool. This means something to me. It'll mean something to somebody else. So the book is full of all that stuff. And it's, it's, it's been, it's been a fun journey. The God, there's been a lot of fun to, to put out and start hearing people's stories. Yeah, I love the quote you said, choose to be chosen to change the world. That needs to be yeah. on a print yeah. or something. So I love that. Yeah. Uh, can you share with us then a little bit of your story? I got to hear a piece of your story at Declare Conference, which is where I met you in person, and just how you you were you and your husband, which you can tell the story better than me. So why don't you just take it away that you guys were sure. <laughs> I'll butcher it. So you go for it. (laughs) No, 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 you're fine. No, my husband and I, I didn't meet the Lord till I was 29. So I didn't grow. I grew up going to the Episcopal church, but I never had a relationship with Jesus. My family, that was just not an important part of their lives. So I was a little later to the, to the, to all of that, which is one of the reasons why I got pregnant at 18. You know, I just wasn't, I didn't know I didn't know what path I was supposed to go on. I was never told, hey, you are here to change the world and God has an awesome purpose for your life. I was just kind of left to figure this all out. So I always knew that I could sing. I loved to sing. I was a good singer. And I thought, well, shoot, let me try theater and see 
what that's all about. So I began pursuing a career in theater. I was raised in New Jersey, which is very close to New York. So I started going into New York City to audition, started doing one thing led to another. You know, you start with children's theater, move to regional theater. And I finally was offered an opportunity to audition for the national tour of The King and I, starring Yul Brynner, who is the original in the movie. He'd been doing it on tour for decades. I was uh, I got the opportunity to audition for the understudy for the leading lady, the school teacher that comes to Siam and teaches the King. Y'all, y'all probably know The King and I, and if you don't, Rent it and watch it with your kids. It's a great musical. So I go out as the understudy. I get cast, and I thought, well, this is great. I know that an understudy is basically an insurance policy for the producers. I'll never get a chance to go on because, you know, you just figure, hey, this is great. I'm earning some money. I'm on tour. Because it was a big national tour. It's going to go on for years all across the country. So about two months into the run of the show, I get in at 7.15. This is before, this is 1981, so before cell phones, computers, any of that. I've been out all day. I come in at 7.15 for an 8 o'clock show. The stage manager grabs me and says, she's sick, you're on. I had 45 minutes to go whistle a happy tune wearing these giant hoop skirts that I'd never worn. I mean, I'd rehearsed the show, so I knew it because you rehearse all the time when you're an understudy. But I'd never handled the props, never done a scene with Yul Brynner. I mean, it was terrifying think of the biggest star today because a lot of your listeners if they're younger they're going to go who but if you've seen the ten commandments he was pharaoh he's the original king of the king and i but he was a huge star back then so i have to go out and do this show and you learn very quickly in a in a moment like that that sometimes you just have to do it afraid because i couldn't not do it i was the only one that could go on for the show that night so i go out i do the show she's out for two weeks i get to do it for two weeks which was amazing then she came back to the show. I went back to the chorus because that's what you do when you're an understudy. Well, about two months later, I got a call from the producer telling me that they had bought out the leading lady's contract because she and Yul Brynner didn't get along. And they were offering me a 26-year-old, nobody from New Jersey. I mean, no one knew who I was. They were offering me the part of a lifetime. This is probably one of the top female leads in a musical in, in all of musical theater history. And here I was, it just like that one of the, that kind of thing makes no sense. I didn't know the Lord at that time, but I look back now and go, God, you were drawing me even back then. It's, it's really interesting how he works. So I went out and did the show. I ended up doing it for almost three years, about a thousand performances with Yul Brynner all over the country. 1981 through 83, met my husband. He joined as the associate conductor because, you know, me with my four colleges in two years, he has a doctorate in music. So <laughs> I'm kind of like, we're a little bit mismatched, but he joined the tour. We fell in love across the footlights, got married. And about, gosh, I guess within the next year, God started drawing us. We had a born again Jewish gal that was in business with us that just kept inviting us to church. She kept saying, come to church, come to church. We kept saying, no, we don't want to go. Finally, we, we had to say yes, because she'd been asking us. And we we're like, okay, we'll just go. It was a Friday night. She said, you'll love that we have a great gospel choir. She takes us to this church in Jamaica, Queens. It's an all-black church. We're the only white faces in this church, probably about 2,000 people. And it's a holiness church. Now, I'm coming out of the Episcopal world. I don't know what that even means. I don't understand the whole charismatic movement. You know, just all of that, the expression of the Holy Spirit. But we walked in that church and you could just feel the power. And I'd never known that before. She sat us in the front row. Of course, at the end, you know, the preacher's pointing basically right at us that we need to be saved. We threw our hands up, gave our hearts to the Lord that night and never looked back. And that's 36 years ago that we've 
known the Lord. And it's just, and I see, I just see so much that he's done. And, and it was about, I guess, a year after that, we had our daughter. And then in the next year, God started telling us, this is not the career that I have for you. I want you to lay this down, walk away, kind of like Abraham, leave everything that you've worked all your life for and follow me. And I'll show you, you know, I'm not going to tell you everything right now, but I'll show you as we go. And we got counsel and prayer and we, we knew that this is what God was calling us to do. And we walked away from everything. I mean, my husband has a doctorate in conducting, like it makes no sense, but that was a huge God dare for us as well. And I, I didn't call it that then, but I see that now that he was daring us to trust him. And that's a hard thing to do, you know, for anybody that's listening, whether it's small, whether it's large, it's hard. But when you do it, there's always going to be good fruit. So we did walk away and then just, you know, started a home business, homeschooling and everything from there, you know, everything's come out of there that anything good that I've accomplished has come since then. Wow. Yeah, that's the part of your story, I think, that resonates so much with me. And and I do want to get into that in here in a minute about just how you you had this successful career going and God, you know, called you guys to walk away from that. And I know for there's so many of us who would just really argue hard with God, you know, and, 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 may, and may not have been obedient to that. And so then you went on to become a stay-at-home mom and you homeschooled your daughter, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. For a number of years. Yeah. Yeah. And so can you tell us a little bit about, you don't have to go into great detail or anything, but about homeschooling your daughter and what she went on to do and become? Well, it's just kind of hysterical that me, the non-college graduate, even thought I could homeschool. Remember, this is 30 years ago. This is before homeschooling was a great big thing. But we had we were still in New Jersey at the time. And there was a decent group there, but we moved to Orlando when Franny was seven. And there was a really good, solid homeschool group there. So I was able to get the help I needed because back then there was no Google. There was nothing. You know, there was still no computers yet really in the 80s. So but we love that time. She was homeschooled most of her years. There was a chunk of time where she went to private Christian school because God was calling me to do some other things that I needed to do. And so she did that. But then she came back to homeschooling because she started doing a lot of music and theater and and needed the time. You know, she couldn't be in school all day because actually she and I were starting to do some musicals at in dinner theater in Orlando. And those are eight shows a week, just like Broadway. So, you know, matinees and all that stuff. So she did a bunch of stuff with me, which was, which was really fun, you know, fun things like sound of music and a couple other fun musicals, but it was really good for her to be homeschooled. She's, she's a bit of a homebody and more of an introvert. It's, you know, you, you, you never think that people that are up on stage are introverted, but she really is. She's very much just kind of loves home and hearth but it, it was just, it was a neat time to be able to, to do that with her. And she, she excelled really well. She graduated at the end of 11th grade. So that gave her one of those, what they call the gap year, where she could record her first independent album and, and get, you know, just start to figure out what she wanted to do with her life. So we loved homeschooling. It was, it was great for us. I'm actually going to be speaking with my, the podcast that I'm a part of for the great homeschool convention, we're going to be at three of the different cities that they're at this year. So that's going to be really fun to just talk to those folks and see what's going on in the homeschool movement. Because it's been a while since I've been in that world. So it'll be fun for me to kind of just get back in there and see what, what are people doing today? Yeah. Yeah. And for those listening who have not made the connection, you call her Franny, but her yes. her, her name that people know her by would be Francesca Battistelli. Battistelli. Yeah, yeah. Battistelli. Okay. Here's why I wanted people to hear that story is because most of us are familiar with her music and you know, our, she's very well-known Christian artist. But what I 
love about this story is how not only you and your husband said yes to the God dare, <laughs> but also how it, important it is for us, you know, especially for raising kids to all be so sensitive to what the God, what God is saying for us, not for yeah. what did you do? What did my friend do? What's my neighbor doing? You know, when God called us to homeschool our kids a few years ago, man, I, I stuck my fingers in my ears. I sang la, 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 la. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to hear that. But I said, yes, you know, I, I, I finally caved and said yes. And, and just like you said, I mean, every kid is so different. And oh, yeah. that's part of your story of, you know, even just you saying yes to the, you know, laying down your own thing, but then also the homeschooling you know, she couldn't have pursued a music, you know, career, I would assume if she right, was, you know, right. if she hadn't been homeschooling. And so I just love that piece of your story as well, because it's so just encouraging, such a great reminder to me how important it is for me to hear God for my children yeah. individually over them and go, okay, you know, what God, you know, the plan you have for their life. So sh- show me how I can, you know, be a supportive role in that. And I just love that. Absolutely. And I do want to say, Rachel, that one thing I was not afraid to do was to dream big for our daughter. Mm-hmm. I, I, God would show me things from the time she was, I remember at 16, we, we always watch the award shows because we're just nerds that way. We were watching the Grammys and she was 16 and I just said, Franny, you're going to be up there one day. And my husband's like, why, you know, you're telling her this stuff and what if it doesn't happen? I said, I, I don't know how I know. I'm just telling you she's going to be up there one day. And it was a number of years later when she got her first Grammy nomination And then wins. And you're just like, okay, God, I know you were showing me that. The same thing with her, with her first big hit that, that, that was on the radio about four years before any of that happened, before she was in Nashville or anything, she was 20 years old. She backed into this woman's car in this woman's driveway when the woman had just told her, don't do that. She's driving home feeling so, you know, I can't believe I just did this. I feel like an idiot. And God just downloads this chorus into her spirit about dents in her fenders and rips in her jeans. So she sings this song to us called Free to Be Me. If it was her first big hit. Mm. She sings this song to us the next day because she would always play for Mike and I, you know, whatever her newest creation was. And I said, Franny, I don't know what to tell you, but that's a hit song. That's all I can tell you. Several years later, when it came out, it was the first song by a female to go number one in eight years. Wow. I mean, it was just like, and that's the one, it was number one for 10 weeks. It got a Grammy nomination. It didn't win, but it got the nomination. It was like, God would show me things. And then I would pray about them. I'd say, okay, Lord, I don't want to. And some, some things like that, you don't necessarily share with the world. You keep that inside because you know, it's like the dreams Joseph had. If he hadn't shared so much, he probably wouldn't have ended up, you know, in prison and as a slave. But he wanted to tell the world all these cool things God was showing him. Sometimes you want to keep that between you and God. Pray about it. But don't be afraid to dream big for your children. I mean, that that is probably one of the biggest lessons I learned raising her that I... I just thought, all right, I'll be that crazy mom that'll pray this and ask the Lord and say, you show me. And and it wasn't, I wasn't praying for fame and fortune because none of that matters. That's all going to burn up. But just that she'd find her purpose, but he just would drop these little things in my spirit and I'd be going, I'm probably crazy, but I'm going to pray it. So I would just advise, don't be afraid to do that. 
Oh, I love that. I feel like you just dared me. (laughs) (laughs) Dream big. I I know, I will. Thank you. I appreciate that. So this actually gives us a great way to um, jump into what else I want to talk to you about today is you have a heart for mentoring, right? And just Mm -hmm. for seeing that Titus 2 actually take place where the older women mentor the younger women. And we're just not seeing as much of that this day and age. So I actually shared this on my Instagram stories. And man, I got a lot of women who it just really, really resonated with. So I'd love to hang out as we wrap up today's conversation, kind of talking about this. I guess if you want to start by just sharing your heart for it first. The sad thing I see is that the Titus II woman, the older woman like me, we're not obeying what Paul commanded. He, he didn't suggest that, you know, maybe if you want to talk to the younger women in your life, he said, older women teach the younger. This is what we're supposed to do. It's one of the purposes that he's let us live this long is to be out there helping. And it's not, it's not, it doesn't have to be a formal, we get together every week on Tuesday at 1045. For me, with the gals that I get the opportunity and the blessing to to mentor and to talk to, we meet for coffee, we have lunch, we hang out, we just do stuff together. It's not, it doesn't necessarily have to be this big formal thing, but I don't know what it is about my generation. I think we're just stuck in our own comfort zones that we're like, you know, I figured it out. You'll be fine, Rachel. You don't need me to help you, but you do. And I need you because you have a fresh perspective on life that I'm not necessarily seeing. So... I think, and I ask young women all the time, do you have anybody mentoring you? 99% of the time, the answer is no. Well, do you want, if someone were to offer that, would you want that? Oh, we're dying for it. That's, that's the response I get. So I know there's something the Lord's been stirring this up. I've spoken on this at different places a bunch and it's, and he's, he's stirring me up for my own church to even just get in there. What can we do at a grassroots level to start connecting the older and the younger women? I think a lot of it has to do with the older women are a little nervous because they don't necessarily understand the technology. A lot of women over 60 are not on Facebook. They don't even understand it. They don't get all the, all the stuff that the cool kids are doing. But you know what? That's not what the younger women need us for. They don't need us for that. They need us to just say, Hey, you're doing a great job with your kids. Keep going. I went through the same thing with my toddler. You know, all all those things that you're dealing with now are the younger woman. We've gone through. We've been through the marriage difficulties. We've been through the the teenage years. We've dealt with all that. So we have a perspective. But then you have a perspective, too, that's going to teach us. I learned so much from the younger women just about what do I do on Instagram? I ask my daughter all the time, how do I do this? Oh, mom, I'll show you. You know, so we learn and we, we, we're going we're gonna to get things from each other because you're going to hear things from the Lord and see things that I'm not going to ne- necessarily catch. So there's huge benefit in it, but we have to be willing to step out of our comfort zone and go sit down with somebody. Maybe it's the young mom across the street. Just go over and hang out or offer to bring her muffins or, you know, whatever. What can I do? Can I help you out? Watch your kids while you do the laundry or take a nap, you know, just be willing to be a servant to serve the younger generation, but, but also be willing to obey what the Lord is is saying, because I think it's really just a huge area of disobedience with the older women and probably the older men as well in the church. Yeah. I just, this topic is so hot. And uh, again, you know, when you, 
shared that this was a passion of yours. I I see so many sides of it because I am one of those younger women who have craved to have a mentor. And it's an awkward and in fact, some of I'm going to kind of be the voice of some of my Instagram friends who, you know, when I asked him this question, what what's the your thoughts on, you know, when it comes to or the hard times that you have in mentoring and and they go, the biggest thing I heard and I can resound this for myself is we crave it but it's really hard to find an older woman who will mentor you. In fact, I've even had, you know, years past at my own church, I've reached out to older women and asked them to, and I kind of got shuffled around. You know, one was like, well, I, you know, I don't necessarily have the time right now, but maybe so-and-so does. And and it started mm. to kind of feel like I'm just a burden is what it felt like, honestly. Yeah. You know, like I'm oh. just one more project. And and no no discredit to those. Like, I mean, I understand, of course, it needs to be the right it has to be the right relationship. You know, obviously every, it, they can't say yes to everybody and all of that. Right. So, so I understand that element for sure, but there's just a huge missing gap here because you have yeah. women who want to be mentored, but they don't know where to start and finding one. Right. And I don't know, I have a, cu- a couple different theories. Like you said on, I do think I agree with what you said. There is a disconnect in the technology thing. I also can't help but wonder if a little bit of the disconnect is, Well, I love that we're all able to build ministries because of the online space. I feel like there's been almost a glorification of ministries that are in the public eye and Mm. um, less, I guess, care or attention to ministry that takes place behind closed doors where nobody will ever know about it, where nobody's going to sing you praises for what you did or whatever. I don't know. I mean, do you have any thoughts on why there's such a disconnect here? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's part of it. I think a lot of us are afraid of obscurity, but most of us are going to live our lives there. You know, I think I, I love what's that. There's a great quote in The Hobbit that it's the small deeds of ordinary folk that keep the darkness at bay. And I love that, that it's those little things that we're doing with our neighbors. But yeah, there's just, I, I can't figure out the disconnect. I really think it's it's a blind spot in the church. It's just this it's, it's disobedience, really, more than anything for the older women not to be reaching out to the younger, not to be offering help. And it makes you guys scared to ask because they know they're going to get turned down for the most part. Yeah, no, sorry, I don't have time. We all have time. We all have time to have somebody younger in our life that we can be pouring into. I mean, why would you not want to? Anytime I get asked by anybody, it could be a, a friend who's a writer or just a younger woman wants to have coffee with me, I jump at the chance. Because I know I'm going to get so much from them. I'm probably going to get more from them than they'll ever get from me. But if I can encourage a younger woman or a young mom to say, keep going, you're doing a great job. We all need that. I didn't have a whole lot of that when I was raising my daughter. But I had, I did have some older women around me, not, not a ton. And I wish I had had more. But it's because maybe because it was a, a, a hole in me, I want to fill that up. And I want to encourage it. And I don't know what I'm supposed to do with all this. But I, I don't know if it's a book or what it is, or a podcaster, but something, we need to get the generations together because God thinks generationally. He's a generational God. We think it's all about us. He's looking at our great, great grandkids. You know what I mean? If he, if, if he waits that long before he returns, I'm hoping he comes back soon. But if not, he's looking down the generations and what we do today can affect decades from now. So we have to remember that. We have to, I mean, what an honor for a young woman to ask any older woman to sit down and and help me. What an honor that is for us. And if we see it as a burden, that's our problem. 
Yeah. So I'm not sure what to do with all this, but there's something. Maybe it's you and me that needs to figure something out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do something because it's a huge gap. Yeah. And it's a problem. Yeah. Well, you know, I think we are doing something right now by just bringing it into the light because uh, yeah. there's two camps that are listening today. You're either the older woman listening, and hopefully this will stir something in you to go. Just start praying simply, Lord, is there one, even one younger woman yeah. that you want me to reach out to this week? Yeah. You know, I mean, how powerful, you know, if we would do that. Absolutely. And then I was even convicted, you know, I'm in my 30s, but hey, guess what? There's got to be a 20-year-old woman who'd want me to, Absolutely. you know, yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit further ahead than her. So so I've even been convicted to do the same thing. It doesn't necessarily matter age. I don't think it's just, are you, right. have you gone through some life experiences that maybe you could help somebody else walk through or just be a listening year or whatever. So uh, that's really my prayer for even bringing this topic up today is the awareness, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't think any age, I think in your thirties, you can be talking to the college girls, the teenagers, all the pitfalls, everything you've already walked through and you've got kids, young kids. So a mom may be pregnant with her first. You can be helping her. So, oh, absolutely. And, And I need women older than me pouring into me. So we, it, it really never ends. It just, but it's something that needs to begin. We need to start doing it. We need to not be afraid of it. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest things that it's like, well, what if I have nothing to say to her? Well, then you'll figure that out the first time, but you might find a great friend. So, yeah. you know, give it a shot. Yeah, that's so good. So I think what I will do for those of you listening who you, I know you all have thoughts that you'd love to chime in on this topic. I will do some kind of Instagram post and you guys can share, you know, your thoughts. Like what, what is a good, you know, I would like to settle some of these questions. What is a good mentor? You know, what, yeah. where, what areas do you need spoken into? What would that look like for you? What are, you know, just so, because I'd love to continue this conversation with those of you guys who are listening as well. Okay. And then one thing I want to do is because I feel like you do have a voice to speak into some lives. I think that I just want to wrap up by asking you some questions. So let's pretend, you know, I'm sitting here with you talking, but I, you know, let's pretend that the listener that you're sitting here with Kate and you were able (laughs) to ask her some of these questions. And so just cut just a few things that I just want to say, if you were sitting having coffee, you know, with one of these ladies and they were like, okay, Kate, I'm struggling with this, you know, what, how would you encourage them? So I'm just going to throw some questions at you. So um, how could you help me with, I'm going through some anxiety and depression. Do you have any advice about that? Oh gosh. Well, I've dealt with that for the last four years and it's, it's not easy. It is a burden, but prayer worship for me, one of the things that really helps is starting my day with just even 10, 15 minutes, just putting some worship music on, worshiping the Lord, not even asking, not, not a prayer time, but just a reminding myself how great he is. And when I do that, and when I also offer up Thanksgiving for the things that I am grateful for, for the things that I can already look at my life that he's done, that does help. I've been on medication. I'm not now. For me, that was not a good solution, but I wouldn't tell anyone to not. If you're really struggling with it, see your doctor. But I know there are natural things we can do. Be real careful with your diet, with the stuff that you eat. Try to stay away from junk food and sugar, you know, all those kind of practical things. There are a lot of healthy things we can do, certain nutrients we can take, like magnesium is a huge, huge one for anxiety. Most of us are low in in magnesium. We're low in vitamin D. If you live in an area, especially in the winter, where it's cloudy and dark and icky a lot of the time, you can get those those lights. I forget what they're called, but they they mimic daylight and it really helps 
get that going in your, in your system. So there's some practical things you can do, but more than anything, it's prayer, it's reading and memorizing scripture. The word is going to make a huge difference for all of us. And when you can pray stuff, pray what God says is true about you, that you're bold, that you're brave, you're beautiful, you're blessed, you're a daughter of the king, you're the bride, you know, remind yourself of who you are in Christ and the devil hates that, you know, and you just have to some, sometimes we just have to put on our armor. Well, every day we should do that and fight the enemy. We're not getting out of this world without battling. If we're following, if we're truly following the Lord and following him with determination and with, you know, with just really desiring to know him, we're going to be attacked. I mean, that's just part of the, that's part of life, but learning how to battle learning how to get through it. God's going to teach us and show us and draw us, and it's going to help with the anxiety. Oh, that's so good. Thank you. Another question for you as a, as a mentor, what would you say? So I love how you laid down your dreams and became a stay at home mom and, and, and poured everything into your family. What would you say to the mom who wants to follow God, taking her that direction but feels resentment in being a stay-at-home mom and laying down her dreams. How, oh gosh! How to that. Yeah, because I mean, I, I always knew it was the Lord, so I never felt resentment. I mean, there's times I look back and think, "Gosh, what if? You know, what might have happened?" But all I just wanted to be famous for myself. The Lord said, "No, not you, next generation," because she's going to do it for me, not for herself. And and I mean, I see that now. Years do give perspective, but yeah, it's it's. It, it's hard. You, I, I can understand where the resentment would come from, but you know what? It's death to self. It's not a popular subject in the Christian world, but listen, that's a real, I mean, you know, that's a real thing that's in the Bible. We are to die to self. And when we do that, the Lord can take that sacrifice and make something beautiful out of it. So, I mean, I look at my life and I think all the things I could have done, but then I see what are the choices that I did make and what it's led to in my life and with my daughter's life and the impact that she's had by me laying down my silly little desire for fame and fortune has allowed her to minister to people all over the world and bring people into the kingdom. That's way bigger than anything I could have done. So, and even if it's something good that you're doing for the kingdom, that God's saying, lay that down, trusting the Lord, it, it's hard. It, it takes practice. It takes time. But when you trust him with your future, you're not going to always know where you're going. You don't know how it's going to end up. But when you trust him, there's always going to be good fruit. So that really, for me, more than anything, it becomes a matter of trust. And, and is he enough for me to trust him? You know what I mean? Is he is can I do I know him well enough to trust him? And if not, then you need to get a, get to know him better. But trust is the biggest thing. Oh my goodness. See, this is the power in this mentor relationship here because you just spoke truth, but then you also spoke life and that even just saying trusting the Lord with your future, there's always good fruit. And just that perspective that, yes, it, you know, that that could be normal to maybe feel some resentment, but when that rises up, here's, here's the truth, you know, here. Well, here's and it's not about us. You know, mm -hmm. we think it's about us all the time and God just constantly smacking me to say, it's not about you, babe. You know, well, he doesn't call me babe, but yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know, it, it's, but we think we're so self-absorbed and more than anything, I'm just like, Lord, I don't want anything to be about me. This it's either all about you or I'm out, you know? So 
we have to start thinking that way. Yeah, that's so good. I love it. Do you have any other words of encouragement on this topic of the, you know, of women who are craving a mentor or wanting to mentor others? Well, don't be afraid to ask, you know, and you may have to go through four or five women before you find one that says, sure, I'd love to sit down and have coffee and chat or whatever, however you want. But I've done long distance ones where it's just on the phone. Mostly it's, it's local, you know, and it's gals that I get to meet with, but just ask, don't be afraid and, and expect that you'll get some no's, but just keep trying until you get somebody that will say yes. And maybe try to start something in your own church or in your own neighborhood where you find out who is willing to do this, you know, and kind of put a little poll out there and see what, see what comes up. You might be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. And I would just encourage all of us who are, you know, here today and listening today to just really start praying about that, like for the Lord, just yeah. to bring to mind someone you can mentor and someone who could mentor you. Cause I just think yeah. that that's just so powerful. And it's definitely something I feel like God is uh, stirring and wanting to release that in this generation. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Kate, thank you for coming on the show. Before we hop off, you do co-host the Mom to Mom podcast, right? Right. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's really fun. It's three generations of moms. One just turned 40. One is almost 50 and I'm in my 60s. So I love that we have that perspective of, you know, well, one of the gals, September McCarthy, if you know September, she has 10 kids. Her youngest, I think, is eight. Her oldest is 29 or 30. So she's got grandkids and little kids. She's still homeschooling. After, I don't know, it's been like 23 years. So she's just, I mean, she's my, she's my hero. I just look at her and think, oh my goodness, what you've done in your life. Just incredible. And then Jamie Erickson is the other gal who has five kids all still at home. She's just so smart. She's a homeschooler. Both of them are. And, and I, I mean, I was, but it's not a homeschooling podcast. It's a mothering podcast. We talk about everything that has to do with mothering. So it's, it's been a really neat, fun journey. And it, if you told me 10 years ago I was going to be a host of a podcast, I would have said you were crazy. Mm -hmm. But then I just said I wouldn't have written two books either. So, you know, just let God do what God does. But I'm honored to be part of these two women who are so amazing to me that they even asked me. I was like, well, are you sure, are you sure you're asking the right person? But we have a blast. It's a really neat podcast. Yeah. And, you know, uh, one thing I love about your podcast and, and you, the ladies who are teaching and speaking is something I have done since I haven't been able to find a one woman to mentor me. I let these kinds of things mentor me. You know, I'm yeah. like, I pretend like I'm sitting in the room with you guys and I'm like, okay, you know, gleaning wisdom. And, yeah. and so I will say, while it doesn't replace obviously an in-person, you know, mentor who knows me directly, it definitely, definitely fills a hole in that, that, that space in my heart that I feel like God wants to speak into. So thank you for Good. doing that. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again for coming on and where can they connect with you online if they want to connect with you? Um, well, they, my, my website is just katebattistelli.com on all the socials. I'm at Kate Battistelli, so they can find me there or mom to mom podcast. And yeah, I'd love to connect with whoever. Yeah. You share some of the best recipes on IGTV, <laughs> by the way. I'm always like, I do. I'm hungry now. I'll be right over. <laughs> and I'm actually praying about and, and talking with a gal about maybe doing some kind of food and faith podcast. Cause I don't know if. There's many of those out there, but there's there's something something God's stirring up, so who knows? We'll see. But I do love to cook. 
Well, I'm going to plant an idea in your ear, and that is whenever, uh, years ago when I first moved to Texas, I went to a group. It was a Titus II group, actually, and it was a six-week thing, and they would, um, we'd get together, and we'd have a teacher, a teaching from an older woman, and then she'd teach us how to make a meal. So, and it it was at a different house each time. So, anyway. That's a great idea. That's an awesome idea. All right. If you could do something like that, podcast, whatever, I don't know, you know, that would be, that would be (laughs) awesome. I would listen, so. Fun. <laughs> All right, Kate, well, uh, thanks for coming on, and I'll chat with you later. <laughs> My pleasure, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Now do you see what I mean when I said I didn't want our conversation to end? I just love Kate's heart for mentoring women, and I don't know about you, but I felt like I had a mini mentoring session today. Don't forget to text the phrase Real Talk Giveaway to the number 44222 right there on your cell phone, and you can stay up to date on the show. I randomly select winners for the guest books, and just by being on that list, you're entered to win. And hey, thank you to all of you who have left Apple Podcast reviews lately. I have read every single one of them, and if you haven't left a review, I would greatly appreciate it. All right, friends, that's all that we have for today. I pray this episode brought you one step closer to getting real, living free, and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.